Hey y'all, this is Charlie. We are living, loving, laughing, and grace, and we are in our Christmas message, my friends. Welcome. I am so glad you are here with me to celebrate Christmas together, and this is going to be our Christmas uh, series for the year, and this is also going to be our final series for the year. I know. Can you believe it? We have already come through an entire year together uh, again, um, but uh, also, on that note, there's going to be some exciting new changes uh, to the podcast next year that I think that you will all enjoy. I'm looking forward to. There'll be more on that in the new year. So please make sure that you have subscribed or followed uh, so that you'll get notifications when the next uh, podcast come out, my friends. And I got to encourage you that sometimes that doesn't always work, not just with mine, with some of the others, the uh, other podcasts that I follow. So every now and then just give a pop in, you know, after the beginning of the year and see if we've, uh, we've released a new, a new series. But like I said, good God, exciting things coming up. So today, of course, y'all know, and I know you are too. I am just really excited to share our Christmas message this year. Um, the Lord blows my mind and Jesus, we just thank you for all that you've done for us and help open our eyes to comprehend what that even means all that you've done for us because you've done so much for us, that you would come for us, that you would die for us, that, that you continually work in our lives, that you are with us. Jesus, we, we ask for your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can just know you better. We want to know you and we want to know the length, the width, the depth, and the height of your love for us. And we just thank you that you are here with us today and you open your word to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, you know what? We're going to jump straight into this word. John 3.16. Amen. Boy, I already can hear a bunch of you just uh, in the spirit, of course, um, not audibly. You've already started quoting it. My friends, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings to our remembrance all that the Lord has ever taught to us. And he teaches us all things. The Bible tells us that in John 14, 26, Jesus told the disciples the night he was being betrayed that the father would send the helper. I want you to listen to the names of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit in my name. And he will teach you all things. Say all, all things, my friends, all things he will teach us. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. When we spend time in the word, Jesus is talking to us. And we can trust and relax and expect the Holy Spirit to bring up the word that we need to know when we need to know it. I am sure that you've had this experience. For example, maybe you, you were out and you had something going on and, and all of a sudden uh, a song, a worship song, a praise song that you had sang earlier that day, maybe Sunday at church, maybe weeks ago, comes up to your mind. My friends, that's the Holy Spirit encouraging you. Sometimes even giving us the very wisdom that we need. He, he might bring up a scripture, right? I encourage you all the time to, to memorize scripture, to be in the word of God, because it's like every bit of the, God's word we expose ourselves to. That's more that the Holy Spirit can bring up. Amen. So I say all that because it just delights me that even now you're already quoting John 3.16. And some of you might not know John 3.16, so don't worry, I'm about to quote it for you. <laughs> My friends, this is the heart of why we celebrate Christmas. For God so loved the world. For God 
so loved the world. Too many times, my friends, God is made out to be our enemy, our problem. We're made out to be his enemy as a sinner. Yes, you are. But you ain't a sinner no more. And even though we make ourselves out to be God's enemy, you know, the Bible says, even in that state, God has reconciled himself to you. He is not the problem anymore. It's us. Right? You ever watch those movies where there's like that dorky guy that falls in love with that super beautiful girl and, and um, he's so in love with her. And even though she's nasty and mean to him, he just puts up with it. Right. And because he's just so in love with her. What is that? That's like God. He's so in love with us. Right. And our perspective of him doesn't change who he is. He still loves us. And then in the end, what finally happens is this, as this guy pursues her and, and, and does so much for her and is always there and, and faithful, what happens? She finally, her heart softens and she falls in love with him. My friends, it's the same thing for each and every one of us. Jesus pursues us through his love. The Bible says he draws us with bands of love, with cords of grace. He draws us to himself through his love. For God so loved the world. Do you hear the intensity? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. My friends, God has many, many, many sons and daughters now. But he has, and has only one begotten son. That is why the Bible so expressly states only begotten. Only Jesus existed with God from all of eternity. Only Jesus was placed in the womb of a virgin. Only Jesus' blood was the blood of God himself. We have all become children of God through the blood of Jesus. We are born again as children of God. But never forget, he had one son. One son that the Bible says was daily his delight for all of eternity. The Bible tells us that Jesus daily danced in the presence of his father. And his father rejoiced over him. A love that had lasted for all of eternity. And God gave that son up for you and for me. That's love, my friends. See, for love to be love, it must give. You can love someone with all your heart, but if you never give to them, you never express that love, they don't know it. That, that love goes wasted. Let's learn to speak good of each other to shower each other with love, to, to tell other people how wonderful someone is before their funeral, right? It is absolutely wonderful and, and, and healing to come together. And of course, we speak well of our loved ones when they pass on. But unfortunately, many times I've heard people say, I wish I had told so-and-so, whatever, my friends, don't wait, express your love now. <laughs> God surely did. Amen. God did not wait for us to get our act together. That's what we're going to see today. And the very genealogy 
of Jesus Christ himself, we see the gospel. We see that God did not wait for man to clean up his mess or get perfect before he sent his son. No, what we see is that God sees the condition of man like man doesn't even see the condition of man. We're the ones that pretend. God isn't pretending. He sees us for who and what we are, and that's exactly why he sent his son. Hallelujah, my friends, to save us, to save us from ourselves, not from him, to save us from ourselves, my friends, from our own sin. Why? Because God so loved the world. My friends, that means you. Put your name there. Learn to personalize the word of God. It is good for us to understand that God loves everyone, but we have to first personalize it in our own heart before that love will become effective in our lives or the lives of those around us. Just as Paul said, listen to this, in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I, not we all, but the truth is we all have been. But he's personalizing what Christ has done for him. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Each and every one of us as believers, as children of God, we can say that. We say, I was crucified in Christ. My friends, that's how God is righteous and blessing you and treating you like you are righteous. Because Christ's death was your death. He accounts Christ's crucifixion to you. So it's as if you were crucified when Jesus was crucified. So he's saying, it's no longer I who live because in that crucifixion you die. It's now Christ living in you. Oh, haven't you heard, beloved, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? Your old man died. You were born again as a child of God. You are a new creation. The Bible says you're something you never even were before. You are alive in Christ and Christ is in you. Sometimes you, you feel that old man is still there, right? Sometimes we still feel those old sinful tendencies. We still have that little outburst of anger or jealousy or whatever it is. But you know what the Bible says we're supposed to do with that? We're supposed to reckon it as dead. You're supposed to say, no, you know what? That's not me anymore. Say it with me. Say, that's not me anymore. I am alive in Christ. I am alive in Christ. Say it with me. I am alive in Christ. Okay, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Say it. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That ain't you no more. Amen. So Paul is teaching us to personalize what Christ has done, to personalize the word of God. He goes on and says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, he's saying, okay, so he is still here in this physical body, in the flesh. He says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live this life by believing in the Son of God, get ready for it, who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, don't you know that God loved the whole world? Yes, God loves the whole world. But we got to personalize it for ourselves. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Say it with me, my friends. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. 
John 3.16. <laughs> so when you read, for God so loved the world, put your name there. For God so loved Marie. For God so loved Anthony. For God so loved Daniel. For God so loved Becky. For God so loved Sherry. For God so loved Shannon. For God so loved Marcus. For God so loved Charlie. Put your name there. For God so loved Charlie that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My friends, how long is everlasting good for? It's everlasting. It's eternal. It doesn't end. And by the way, when God makes comments like this, when Jesus makes comments like this, he's talking about you're going to have the very life that he himself lives after. It's not just the quantity of the life. It's not just the length of the life. It's the quality of the life, right? All of us are actually going to live forever. As Jesus said, some to eternal life and some to eternal destruction in hell. If we, if we tell God, I want nothing to do with you, I don't need your sacrifice, I'm all right, I've got it going on, I can do things on my own, and we reject and reject and reject the one true perfect sacrifice, my friends, none of us, we, are, we have all failed. The only choice is eternal destruction. But that is not God's heart for you. And that is exactly why Jesus came to offer you everlasting life. And how easy is it? We simply believe in him. My friends, God made it easy for us because otherwise we'd never receive it. He made it free for us because salvation is too expensive. The cost is so great, none of us can afford it. So it's free for us. It's easy for us. But that doesn't mean it's cheap. It cost God his very best. It cost Jesus his very life. It was not easy for him. He should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 17. How many of you know John 3, 17? <laughs> John 3, 17 is just as beautiful. Listen, why did God do this for us? Why did he send his only begotten son? Well, because he loves us and he wants us not to perish. Did you hear that? He doesn't want you to perish, but to have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can I tell you something, my friends? God did not need to come to this earth to find out if we were sinning. He didn't need to come here to condemn us. He could have done that from heaven. He didn't need to come here to find out if we were blowing it. He already knew that. As we're about to see from his own genealogy, he knows better than we know how much we're failing and how much we're blowing it. Because see, here's the thing, my friends, God is righteous. We're not. We are so fallen. We can't even comprehend how fallen we are. You know what the good news is? The good news is that you're forgiven according to God's grace, not according to your knowledge of your sins. Not according to your asking for forgiveness of your sins. 
You're forgiven according to the blood of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven because you receive him as your Lord and Savior. If it was based on us asking for forgiveness of all of our sins, my friends, the problem is we can't even see them all. But I'll tell you this, the greater the appreciation we have for how forgiven we are, the more we will understand how much God loves us. And the more we understand how much God loves us, the more he can open our eyes to see how much we've been forgiven of. It's progressive, my friends. The, the more I get to know Jesus, and this happens by looking to Jesus. As I look to Jesus and his perfections, and I see him in his word. I see how humble he is. I see how strong he is. I see how compassionate he is. I see how he's unbending and unyielding before the Pharisees. And, and when it comes to saving people, he's unbending and unyielding when it comes to going to the cross for us. And yet he's so compassionate. He stops for the children. He plays with the children. He loves on them, my friends. He's just altogether lovely and beautiful. And as we behold him, we are transformed into his image and you know what else my friends we get more and more sensitive to sin because we're becoming more and more like him we become more sensitive to our own sin and we want the Lord to take it out and we can see it and 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 don't feel guilty about it don't feel condemned about it when we see something new it's because the Lord has opened our eyes to it and we can go thank you Jesus, my friends, true confession, confession means to agree with. True confession is not, I suddenly realize there's a sin there that God knew was there all along and I ask for forgiveness. It's, I see it and I thank Jesus that because of him, I am forgiven. My friend, as we continually thank the Lord for our, for our feelings and for our sins, what happens is we see greater and greater and greater how forgiven we are we appreciate the cross the sacrifice the perfection the work of the cross the value of Christ's blood more and more we we it's like we hold it up higher and higher and we receive we understand more and more how much we are loved Jesus said that those who are forgiven much love much he he wasn't saying my friends some of us need more forgiveness than others we all need to be forgiven much, but some of us have a greater revelation of how much we're forgiven than others. And the more we understand how forgiven we are, the more we see how loved we are. I know for me, uh, when I was growing up, I was taught this, uh, this idea that I was forgiven of all my sins from my past up until the time I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And knowing the Bible the way I do now, I just just seems utterly ridiculous <laughs> right, that I ever believed that because there's nothing like that anywhere in the Bible. But guess what? A lot of people still believe that. And they believe that after they receive Jesus, they have to keep asking for forgiveness of their sins. Well, you know what? We see an example of this in the Old Testament and that the people were uh, allowed to bring three different types of sacrifices to the temple uh, for the forgiveness of their sins. They could bring a dove, they could bring a lamb, or they could bring a bull. A dove is what the poor brought in the natural. Doves, my friends, they could catch for free. They're very plentiful. And God always wants a way for people to come to him. Amen. That's where we started off with John 3:16. He always wants a way for people to come to him. And so he allowed the, that people could bring a dove 
because they could even catch them for free. That's why Jesus, when he saw that the temple had become a place where they were forcing people to buy doves, that's why he turned over those tables, my friend. They put a barrier and a restriction to God that God himself did not place there. God himself had made a way for the poor to come to him. So the poor could bring a dove. The middle class, you would say, would bring a lamb and the rich would bring a bull. And let me ask you something. Which one of those, a dove, a lamb, or a bull, has more blood? A bull does, right? A dove, in comparison, has very little, do- uh, very little blood. So here's the spiritual application, right? Because from the Old Testament, we, we always see that there's a spiritual application as well. And Jesus my, himself, my friends, is also uh, because he is the true sacrifice. So he's represented in all of these things as well. But we see a dove has very little blood. But you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the dove spiritually represents people that have received salvation, but have such a small valuation for the blood. They have such a small understanding of what Jesus has truly accomplished and what he has done. So it's like they have the dove. And that's where I was growing up. I mean, really, I would say that I had that that dove. I understood because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I was saved and forgiven of my past. But my present and future was a continual work. And I can tell you something, too. I did not have a great revelation of the Lord's love for me. I had a very, very small revelation. You couldn't have told me that then. But I had a very small revelation of how much he loved me. So let's go on to the lamb. What do you think the lamb is? So now we're, we're kind of in the middle of the two, right? So more blood. So there's obviously a greater revelation of Jesus and his finished work, but there's still more to come. The lamb, I believe, represents people who believe their past is forgiven and their present is forgiven, but they live in this constant state. I I went through this stage as well of being afraid of the future sense. Like, okay, I'm good with God right now, but what happens if? If I blow it, if I make a mistake, you know, what about tomorrow? Like any moment you can just lose your, lose your salvation or your relationship or your forgiveness, put it, it's called many different things. So you have the blood, you have a greater, uh, uh, standing, but you're still kind of worried about the future. And then we have the bull, say the bull, the bull. That's where we all want to be. That's where we're all going to be for those that have that revelation that this is based on the blood of Christ and Christ alone. And my sins of my past, my present, and my future have been washed away. The Bible says that he was one sacrifice offered for sins for all time. Say all time. All time. That's in Hebrews, my friends. One sacrifice. We do not need to continually sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. My friends, if we need to keep asking for forgiveness of sins, then what we're saying is that our sacrifice of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ, the royal, perfect, pure blood of God himself is no better than the blood of doves, lambs, and bulls. Because that's what they had to do. They had to come. And guess what? For them, they only had to come once a year. I know believers that think they got to get the forgiveness of their sins every day. Do you see how that devalues Christ? Puts him down on a level less than that of doves and lambs and bulls and goats. You know, that's what Hebrews is talking about. It says we have the sacrifice of the Son of God. 
ours is eternally secure. We have been eternally redeemed. My friend, be washed anew in that. All your sins have been forgiven, not based on you, not even based on your knowledge of your own sins. Your sins have been washed away based on the perfect finished work of Jesus Christ, on his blood and his blood alone. And let us receive a fresh revelation of how much our daddy God loves us. Amen. Amen, my friend. Guess what? <laughs> we have got to wrap this episode up and we actually only got through one verse. We have so much more <laughs> to enjoy together. So I want to invite you to come back for more of our Christmas messages uh, for this year, my friends. And um, until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you his peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Till next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace. Thank <laughs> you.